You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. And in today's episode, you are listening into a coaching conversation I had with a wonderful, fantastic woman. Her name is Rola. Rola is somebody who's finding hard to attract love or was finding hard to attract love in her life. And we went from discovering the reasons of why she may be finding hard to attract somebody in love or finding hard to keep somebody that she really loves or approach a person that she's attracted to all the way to really developing certain practices that she can use in the coming months and years to be able to love herself more and find the love that she's been seeking. So it's a slightly different coaching conversation that you've heard on Master Coaching with Ajit Podcast. And I believe you're going to enjoy it. And I believe this will be one of those conversations that you may find interesting even as you discover more about love, as you discover why you may have attracted somebody in your life or maybe attracting somebody in your life beyond love relationship, even in friendship relationships. So it's an interesting conversation. I'm curious to have you listen into it and see how you can utilize this in your own coaching practice. So I'm not going to take too much of your time setting this up for you. It's a good, long, powerful conversation that I think will change the way you coach your clients around love and relationship. Hi, Rola. Hello. Hi. Did I say your name right? Raula or Rola? How do I say it? Rula. Rula. Hi, Rula. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. How was your day? Where are you coming in from? I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, nice, nice. So you are also middle of the day, right? Your CST? Yeah, it's four o'clock here. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. How has your day been? It's been really good, actually. I'm a little nervous right now, but it's been a good day overall. <laughs> why, why do you feel nervous? I don't know. It's just, I guess, getting coached by you is what's making me a little <laughs> nervous. Well, let's turn that nervousness into excitement a little bit, okay? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think it's more take- excitement than nervousness, but yes. Great. Let's check into that. And uh, if if I may, let's take a couple of deep breaths. We can calm down our nervous system. And so the nervousness will go away and we can lean into a little bit more excitement. Is that okay with you? You feel more calm and relaxed? I do, actually. Yeah. Perfect. That's awesome. Anytime you feel any nervousness, any anything that is backing your nervous system or your uh, emotional system, it's a good practice to so simply just Take a couple of deep breaths in, relax the nervous system because it allows us to get more present to the moment. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Now that we have leaned into a little bit more of calm energy, tell me a little bit about what would make today's session a great session for you. I mean, I've looked at the note that you sent before, but I like to check in just in case something has changed and you may want to work on something else. So why don't you lead us with what would make this coaching conversation a great coaching conversation for you? I think I need to feel some kind of reassurance or more confidence in myself. I feel like I hold myself back a lot 
sometimes and I don't really believe in myself for some reason. And I feel like sometimes I feel like I don't know anything when I know a lot about a topic. And I don't know. I just don't want to feel like that anymore, I guess. I want to feel better about whatever I'm pursuing and stop having so much self-doubt around it. And essentially, I guess, imposter syndrome, as some would say. I Have you ever reflected, Rola, as to why is it that you feel lack of confidence? Have you ever reflected on that specific piece? Yes, to an extent on my own. For the most part, I think I just try to be perfect. I always feel like I have to know everything and I have to have everything perfect to feel like I'm ready for whatever it may be. But in the end, I know that like if you threw me into something, I'd be good at it eventually. But I think it's just because my childhood a little bit. Um, my parents were very intense, always about making sure that we did as well as possible straight A's, like had to be like perfect essentially um, to live up to their expectations. So I think it's definitely because of that a lot, which continues to linger into my adult life. Seems like you've reflected a lot on it actually, right? Mm-hmm. You already identified where it's coming from. You seem to know... Okay, that's maybe the story that is what is blocking you. That may be the reason why you feel like you need to be perfect or need to lean into some version of perfection. Let's take a scenario. Let's work with a scenario and see how we could get past this programming that you may be experiencing right now. Well, let's take the example of your coaching business. Would that be a good example to lean from? Or would you like to more focus on your love life? I think I want to lean more into the love life. Of life. Okay, cool. Awesome. So let's take an example of you connecting with someone. Okay. You're connecting with someone, you connected with someone, maybe through an app, maybe through a friend, however that is. Tell me what happens next. What makes you feel like you're not confident to lean into that relationship? Usually I'm pretty confident when it comes to the first few dates. It's when I start liking someone and I start getting feelings that I feel like I get self-conscious and I question the things that I say to them, the things I text. And I'm like, is this going to make them not like me? Or is this going to like, is this going to work out? I think I always kind of worry about the future and if it's going to work out versus like trying to just live in the present and enjoy the time with them. And then it's just like, I start picking myself apart sometimes and thinking about my image and if I'm good enough in that sense. And especially if the person is, say, at a higher credential, I guess, or I look up to them, I think sometimes I make people out to be more than they are. I create a story around them in a sense. I fall for the story of them, not so much them sometimes. So it's not only about you not feeling good enough. You sometimes feel like they are way too good for you. Okay. Have you have you ever done an exercise called fear setting? Do you know what that is? No. Okay, cool. So we're going to reflect on an exercise. The first thing that we want to do is let's define what is perfect for you. Okay. What does perfect look like, feel like? What does being perfect in a relationship feel like for you. The reason why you want to define it, because a lot of times, like you said, and you kind of identified to it and spoke to it a little bit, but a lot of times what we make up in our mind, because we never write it down, we keep telling ourselves a story and we talk ourselves into and out of things. Okay. So what would happen is say you found a person, you're really attracted to them, 
there's an attraction going on. There's a back and forth, right? You're mm-hmm. feeling good. And then suddenly you go, oh, but this person is really good for me. They're so kind. They're so gentle. They're so successful. Whatever the story is that you end up telling yourself. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is we tend to tell ourselves the story without actually an end, right? It's our chatter of our mind, right? So you keep telling yourself the story about them. You keep telling yourself the story about yourself without realizing that you're repeating a story and you're making it bigger than what is the truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. Is this making sense? So it's yes. like saying, you know, my favorite meal is this dish that that I eat. And you keep telling yourself about this dish. So what happens in your mind, even before you eat it or mm-hmm. you ever eat it, You've created this mental story that is so big and so much grander than the actual meal, right? Have you realized sometimes you're looking forward to a meal and when you eat it, you're like, yeah, kind of okay. The meal is kind of okay, right? But your story or your idea of that meal was amazing, right? Mm-hmm. But the truth of it wasn't as amazing, right? Has yeah. that happened to you before, right? So oh, that's yeah. kind of how, yes, that's how our life also becomes. A lot of times, we tell ourselves, and that's why we chatter ourselves and talk ourselves out of things because we go, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough because of X, Y, Z reasons without actually making it a matter of fact. Just because we are repeating the story, it becomes a bigger story than it actually is, mm-hmm. right? So first, let's define what perfect really means to you. What is a perfect relationship? What's a perfect person for you? Would you do little, and it doesn't have to be perfect in this conversation. We don't have to really identify and have bullet list of what that perfect person looks like. But let's identify some of the key traits that somebody would have to feel like it's a good partner for you. Someone that's kind and someone that's affectionate and caring for others, compassionate, um, successful, driven, and has a sense of humor and can just be themselves and smart. I like someone that I can talk to and have an intelligent conversation, like a real conversation about real things. I think that's usually the biggest thing for me is the conversation and how that goes and just how I feel with them. So it's just like, there's a lot of chemistry there and attraction, but overall, they, I just want someone that's honest, loyal. That's a good person in the mm-hmm. end. Do you feel, Rola, that a lot of these characteristics also are your characteristics? Yes, I think. Are you loyal? Are you honest? You seem really smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel that if we wrote this down and had these as characteristics of a person and you wrote down your key characteristics of why you are so attractive to anybody, Mm -hmm. would you think there would be an easy match? Yeah. Yeah. Considering that you would match these qualities of the person that you are speaking with or connected with. Mm -hmm. What do you think happens when you're thinking less of yourself and greater of themselves? Where do you think that uh, that conversation origins or where's the origin of that conversation in your mind? To be honest, like when I'm confident and I'm feeling good, I'm like, yes, I measure up. I'm like everything anyone could want. But then the insecure side of me is like, well, they probably have a number of different options. Like, I'm not going to be the only person they're talking to. And it's just like, I guess like sometimes I just feel super confused about why they don't work out. Um, Because I do feel like I am putting my best foot forward and I'm being myself. 
because I always do try to stay true to myself, even when I'm being insecure or whatever. Like I always try to be myself and not so much mold to the other person, which I think a lot of people can do sometimes. But like, I think it's usually if they're more successful than me, I don't know why that makes me feel like they're better than me. I think it's really because I grew up so poor and I feel like I always looked up to like family members that were super rich or successful. It's like being, wow, like, look at them. Like, I wish I could be like that. And then I was always reminded by my parents that like, you have to work hard and this doesn't come easy. And I don't, and like, you have to live within your limits in a sense, because they were such limited mindset people. And the thing is, I know it doesn't make any sense, which is the crazy part. Like, I know money doesn't measure how great of a person you are or how, or anything really. Um, But for some reason, it intimidates me sometimes. It's perfectly okay. It's intellectually knowing something and actually knowing it are two different things. You intellectually know it doesn't make a difference. That happens with most of us. We intellectually understand a lot of things, but in our bodies and our soul, we haven't fully accepted it. We'll come to that in a second. What is the definition of success for you? Because you said they are more successful than me a couple of times. Does that mean financial success? I'm I'm just alluding to it because that's what I understood of the, the narrative we just had. Yes, it's either financial success or with regards to their title, they're in a higher position or something of that sort. I think I just think they know more than me and I'm not as intelligent, even though I know... That's not true (laughs) because I know people that are very wealthy and I'm just as intelligent, if not more sometimes. Um, It's just crazy. I don't know why I do this to myself. It is is the truth of a lot of us. So don't worry. Don't beat yourself down because you have certain beliefs and you have a certain way of thinking right now. Everything Mm -hmm. in our lives is a work in progress, right? Including our beliefs around what we believe to be true and what we don't believe to be true. So let's not beat ourselves down again. Let's first work with what is it that is coming through so we can change that or at least work towards changing that narrative. And we'll see how far we can go in this one conversation that we're going to have, right? Because this is only a single conversation. So I try to cover as much ground as possible. But of course, we may not be able to cover everything. Okay, so let's go to where we were. Okay, so what we found was that there's an understanding of a perfect person for you, Mm -hmm. which you also see yourself as reflected on. You go, okay, that's kind of like me. Like what I'm trying to find is a person that can match my qualities. In none of those qualities, you said, you kind of said successful, but you didn't say they need to be more financially wealthy or less financially wealthy than I am, right? Because we are really talking about success in context of wealth right now. Not Mm -hmm. talking about overarching success definition. We're talking very specifically to finance, or at least that's what I'm understanding of this conversation, is that uh, that is what kind of uh, leads you to sabotage, if I may, uh, Mm -hmm. a relationship. Do you think you sabotage a relationship? I I don't want to reflect something that's not true. Sometimes I do, yes. Sometimes, but it's because there's a point where you alluded to also the idea of relationships don't work out. Have you reflected on when the relationships don't work out? Is it more you sabotaging that relationship? Is it just the personalities didn't match? Have you seen if there's an overarching trend or some kind of a pattern? I think it's usually they're not ready or emotionally available. And 
I'm not sure why this keeps happening because I'm pretty particular about how I pick and choose who I go out with. So I try to watch for those things. But of course, when you don't know someone, you don't know right away. They're usually short-lived. I will say that. They're usually like only a few dates or so. And then I usually end it or it fizzles out or whatever it may be. I've been in many long-term relationships. So at this point in my life, I think I get scared sometimes that I'm going to waste my time with someone because I spent almost seven years with one person, three with another, four with another, and so forth. So I don't want to do that without being successful. Okay. So there are a few things that, and this probably is many conversations that you'll need, and you'll probably follow up this conversation with your coach as well, is do you think love is a transaction? No. Okay. So when we set an expectation to a relationship. Mm-hmm. I want it to be successful. I want it to be like this. I don't want it to be like this. What we have done is we have set ourselves up for a transaction, right? Mm-hmm. I expect you to do this. And in return, I expect to do this, right? I will mm-hmm. invest in this relationship only if I see a future with you. I will not invest in this relationship because previously I've invested four or five years into something and it hasn't worked out for me. Do you see how this is becoming a transaction? It may not be a financial transaction, but it's a transaction. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way. No. So what happens when we approach a person, even unconsciously as a transaction, especially when it comes down to love? A lot of the things that are happening are energetic. They're less being said. You don't know why something is happening. It just is happening. Mm -hmm. So when you're leaning into a relationship, Mm -hmm. the foundation has to come from no expectation. It does not mean that you don't have an expectation to your partner. It simply means that that's not the foundation of our relationship. Unless We state to each other, hey, this is what I'm expecting in this relationship. Are you expecting this in this relationship? But that's more creating groundwork that happens once you have had some kind of relationship already being built, right? So this is date Mm -hmm. number four or five, Mm -hmm. right? Date number one, one through five, is probably more so to see if energetically you vibe together. Is this making sense? Yes. And it actually has to come from no expectation of the other person because what you're not trying to do is establish, will this become a winning relationship? What you're really trying to establish is, is this even a match? Are we yeah. even the same vibe, right? It's more energetic, right? Mm-hmm. That is at least in my experience, how relationships need to evolve over time, especially the mm-hmm. love relationship because you're not looking for a relationship that will last you a couple of years. You're lo- hopefully looking for a relationship, or my, that's my understanding of what you're saying, that will last a lifetime. Yes. To find a relationship like that, let's think about it, right? Any relationship that has longevity of a lifetime needs to have longevity that is more foundational than what your expectation is today. Because your expectation will change. Yeah. And so will your partners, Right. That means that cannot be the groundwork. That cannot be, okay, this is what I need in this relationship. And this is what you need in this relationship. It's matching today. So let's do this. Mm -hmm. Because that's not what defines relationship success. What defines relationship success is can you evolve together? More importantly, 
then did you have a good expectation setting when you started? If there's a bigger chance of you evolving together, there's a likelihood that the relationship is going to last longer. Is this making sense, Rola? This makes complete sense, yes. Right? So when we lean into a relationship, what if we suspended all expectation? What if we just said, I want to just see if we vibe. And if we do vibe, maybe there is an evolution that is possible, right? Here's what's going to happen. When you suspend expectations from the person, you become free. It's not even about the person. It's more about you. And when you are free as a person, when you are free as somebody who is open to saying, hmm, let me see what is there in this experience for me to explore, you become so attractive. It's not even a joke, right? Huh. Have you seen a free man? A man who's completely free, who's unattached to what happens in life because they know they'll figure it out. When yeah. you see a free man, he's probably the most attractive man that you've seen. It doesn't matter how he looks, but, but the way he feels is powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Because there is mm -hmm. a likeness to that soul. That's what happens with the free woman too. Hmm. It's like a just went off. Like that yeah. makes so much sense to me. So what if, what if we suspended some expectations for the coming say 30 days, even 60 days? and approached individuals with the freeness of saying, I don't know if this is going to work out or not. I'm just seeing if somebody vibes with me. And if it vibes, great. I'm going to explore it. If it doesn't vibe, it's okay. I'm not trying to make a relationship work. I am mm -hmm. simply trying to see people that I vibe with. Here's one more thing that will happen. When you're not trying to make a relationship work, you give freedom to that relationship. Mm. And a relationship has freedom it can explore itself to find what is the truth of that relationship because you're not trying to get to a point. You're not trying to achieve uh, a marriage or some kind of whatever is your expectation of the relationship because it does not come with all those boundaries. It becomes a lot more open conversation for it to explore itself and see what is there and if there is anything instead of them trying to prove that they're a good partner and you trying to prove that you're a good partner. Instead of that, we are letting the relationship see if this is a good relationship. doesn't matter if you're a good partner or not because partnership changes. We change as people. Yeah. Right? So again, we're not looking for somebody that fits our model. What we are looking for is can we vibe with a person? Can we evolve with this person? Because the model of our reality, okay? So, yeah. as you grow with them, yeah, and you change. You grow with them. So, what you're looking for is growth together, not to fit the checkboxes. So, that's the first thing. Let's, let's suspend expectations so it can give you some freedom. It can give the relationship some freedom to thrive. And if the right partner shows up, great. The relationship will thrive. Okay, now let's go to the next part of this conversation, which is, what is it that creates lack of confidence? in ourselves, right? When is it that we don't believe in ourselves? Have you reflected on that? What makes us less confident? I don't think I have enough. I think for me, a lot of it is like not feeling confident in knowing everything. That usually seems to be the biggest thing for me is just not knowing enough around whatever the topic may be. And then also with regards to just dating to like, 
I don't know. I feel like I've just had so many situations fizzle out or not work that I'm just like, it's got to be me, I would think, or something. And I know for the most part, it's not because usually, like, it, I'm so glad most of them didn't work. But, like, I think it's really my energy and coming into it and having all this pressure to make it work. And I think that makes me less confident because I'm like, you have to make this work. And I get a lot of pressure from my family. I'm Middle Eastern. So like the expectation is that I should have been married years ago. (laughs) So I think that kind of messes with my confidence because I'm like, oh my God, you're getting older. Like the older you get, the less attractive you're going to be to people or whatever. And I know that's not true because I know like people are in their 30s these days and not married and it's great. And I think it's actually healthy. But like my family gets in my head, especially my mom, (laughs) because she's the one that probably puts the most pressure on me. And it's just like always being compared to people as a child and how pretty they are compared to me or how pretty I am compared to them. It's very focused on looks Um, within the Middle Eastern culture, I would say. And like, we are pretty much raised to be married. (laughs) Um, Like, and thankfully that's not the situation, but like, that's like how it is for the most part. Um, So I think it's really like, it's around that for some reason. And it's like, if I don't feel perfectly fit, then it's like, I'm not at my best. And I think like, I get really hard on myself if I say I'm going to do something And I don't do it to a hundred percent or if like, for instance, like going to the gym, like I'll say, I want to go to the gym five to six days a week. And if I only go like four days, I'll get really down on myself subconsciously. I like, I don't say it out loud, but I'll say it in my head a lot and I'll make myself feel bad about it. And it drags out and through my day. And I know that's not healthy. It's like, I don't allow myself to make any mistakes. If I do, it's like, would you do that? Why'd you do that? So Roland, there is so much I would love to discuss, but in the interest of our limited time, yes. I will skip ahead a little bit, okay? okay? There is so much to explore also because I come from a similar background. I am I was born in India. I grew up in India, right? So not at the same kind of pressure that women face, but I had my set of pressures where I was an older man and I that is why I got engaged to somebody that I didn't even fully want to be a partner with. And then I mm-hmm. had to let go of that relationship. And now, thankfully, I found somebody who who wipes more so than have an expectation of each other, right? So, mm-hmm. so I hear you to some, I mean, I, I'm not saying that I'm in your situation because I'm sure it's more difficult than where I am today. But I've had a similar experience from whatever limited version of a man that I, in context of being a man that I could experience, right? So, I want to explore so much. So I'm I'm trying to see how I can benefit you the most in the shortest time possible. Rolla, so my challenge is, is more so that I feel that in our conversation, we could explore confidence, but I think mm-hmm. it's the chatter that's a bigger challenge. Would you be open? I'll give you some techniques for confidence towards the end anyway, so you can explore them further in your own time. But would you be open to explore the chatter that happens around you and within you? Because that, I think, may be something that we can explore that will help you more long-term. I think so, yeah. I think that's a good idea. Okay. So what happens, Roland, is our mind has the amazing capability 
of keeping us safe, right? Mm -hmm. And to keep us safe, it creates dialogues in our mind. And most of these dialogues that get created in our mind are not there for our growth. Mm -hmm. They are there for safety and security. So say, for example, if your mother explores the idea of saying, well, you're getting older, you need to get married, you need to do this and this and this, and there is some input to our mind that now our mind would go, okay, I have all this information where I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. And so it'll create safety mechanisms. And safety mechanisms are not always there where you would go, oh, it's actually keeping us safe. No, it just keeps us limited and makes us feel safe, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, when you say, I'm going to hit the gym six times a week and you hit five times, when your mind says you're not good enough because you did it five times, it's because the feeling off what you feel when you hit that plateau, when you hit the five times and you're not able to do the six times, that feeling is the feeling of safety, is the feeling of comfort, is the feeling of security, right? Because now your mind is trained to make you feel bad, right? And that feeling of bad actually feels safe. Huh. Yeah. Right? Because you go, oh, I'm not good enough, you know? And then you maybe go for some food items or maybe you go watch Netflix. So whatever that is the behavior that is there is a comforting behavior. Do you have a comforting behavior that happens the immediate time when you feel not good enough? Is there something that you tend to do? Netflix. Kind of zone out in some way or another. Or right. I'll call someone to talk about it, but usually not in the most positive way. It's like, I want to make sure someone hears me or I want to be by myself and numbed. It's one or the other. Yes. You want to be yourself by yourself and be numbed. How does that feel? That feels comfortable, doesn't that? Mm -hmm. Right? I don't face anyone. Yes. And you feel comfortable. Even when you're talking to a friend, it makes you mm -hmm. feel comfortable because you're like, oh, I get to say all these things. It makes you feel connected to someone. Mm -hmm. Right? So what's happening, what tends to happen, this is true for a lot of us. So it's, don't, don't try to go, this is Rola's problem. No, this is the world's problem. Okay? Mm -hmm. We come up with this chatter. The chatter gets us to say, oh, I'm not good enough, or I'm sad now, or I'm unhappy, or whatever that is, making you feel a particular way that then entices you to do a particular behavior. Watch Netflix. Call a friend go for a walk, anything that makes you feel comfortable and creates procrastination that may create growth, mm -hmm. right? And now this behavior itself creates what we call a habit loop, mm. right? Because what a habit loop is where you build a habit of feeling like something, being like something, right? So now what happens is even when, and this is all happening unconsciously, this is not in your conscious environment, okay? Unconsciously, what may be happening is now, let's say you come into six days of gym. Mm -hmm. You will actually get yourself to only do five days of gym. The reason is because guess what happens when you don't hit the gym the sixth time? You feel safe. You can do the things that make you feel comfortable, feel connected, feel the love in whatever way mm -hmm. possible. Right? So you actually sabotage your own growth or own achievement so you can feel what makes you feel comfortable and safe. That's so crazy. 
when you go into a relationship and sabotage it, guess what you're doing? You're putting yourself back into the habit loop because guess what happens when the guy doesn't work out? Pick up the phone, talk to a friend, talk about how terrible that person was. Pick up the phone, talk to the coach, talk about how the man didn't just really work out, right? Or watch Netflix, another rom-com, right? Whatever that is, mm-hmm. the behavior repeats itself because it makes you feel safe. It makes you feel comfortable. And so it becomes a habit. Hmm. Okay? Wow. So how do we break the habit? I was just going to ask that. <laughs> so the key of breaking a habit is to, the two ways. One is when you identify, the first step is to know you're in a habit loop, which you kind mm-hmm. of can now go, oh crap, this is what happens. Yeah. This is how I behave. This is how I feel good. And that's why I keep doing this, right? So first thing is you can literally make, you can Google habit loop, mm-hmm. right? It'll give you a diagram of what a habit loop looks like. It's Q, reward, Q, habit, reward. It's basically a circle of three or four blocks, depending on what image you look at. But basically you are in a behavior, you're in a loop, right? And it repeats mm-hmm. itself again and again. You want to take that and you want to identify what is that for each of the elements that you seem like you're in a loop, right? You're repeating yourself again and again and again. And all of our lives are different habit loops. All of our life is always a habit loop. It's more about which habit loop we want to break, right? Habit loops are not a bad thing. Habit loops keeps us safe, gets us to do things in a particular way. So habit loop itself is not a bad thing. We want to identify the habit loops that are not serving us, right? And you find that habit loop, that's step one. Second is the key to changing habit loop is to change the reward, right? When you... Don't hit the gym the sixth time instead of sitting down, watching Netflix or whatever that is the comfortable thing you're doing. Even if it is 10 p.m. in the night, go for the run, right? And associate that activity to a reward, a reward that you actually desire more than the reward that you were getting before, right? So for example, if Netflix makes you feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. does the run or gym or whatever that might be makes you feel excited? Once I'm there and done. Once I'm there, yes. (laughs) Yes, so that's that's good. That's a good identifier, right? Once I'm there and once the end, when I have finished my workout, I feel excited. Yeah, right. feel a million times better. So what you want to remember, what you want to cue yourself for every time you're about to turn on Netflix is to go, I know how I feel after the run. I want to remember that feeling of after the run, after the gym, right? And what will happen is it may not happen the first time. It may not happen the second time. But the third time, the moment you start remembering the reward while you're able to identify the habit loop, right? That's why you need to know what's your habit loop, right? Once you know the habit loop, you go, the reward I will get right now is, yes, I'll feel comfortable. I'll feel, you know, sit down on Netflix and and chill or whatever, But if I change that and I go, I want to feel excited instead of feeling chill, now you have a choice. Now your mind can make a rational decision. And this is what we are truly doing to change habits is we are trying to move away from an emotional decision to go to a rational decision, right? You choosing to watch Netflix is an emotional decision, Mm -hmm. right? You need to recognize your emotions. You need to appreciate your emotion. 
but you don't need to make an emotional decision. Yeah. Right? You can regulate your emotions and you can go, I see that's an emotional decision. I don't want to make that decision. Let me breathe five times. If that, that is one way of relaxing your nervous system, right? To recognize this is an emotional decision, I'm going to make a rational one. I'm going to go for a run. So how about like the negative chatter around like dating and not feeling good enough or, oh my God, I must have said something or whatever. Like, how do I change that? Like, I know recognizing it first, but like, what would be an example of an action I could take or a way I can change that, I guess? So, so let's see your behavior here, okay? We're going to use the habit loop example because we've already discussed it. We'll talk about some more ideas, okay? Mm-hmm. But the habit loop example, right? What tends to happen? You're approaching a relationship. Mm-hmm. You lean on expectation. You go, I'm not good enough. It gets you to abandon a relationship. And then you get to connect with your friends or you get to sit and watch Netflix. You get to eat a specific food because you just had a breakup or whatever that is. That makes you feel comfortable. It makes you feel mm-hmm. safe. You don't have to put your effort into something. And so you're not signing up for heartbreak after four years or seven years or 10 years, right? right? You see, your habit loop comes from your old relationships a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Because you are kind of going, I don't want to invest my time into this energy because, you know, it didn't work out for me in the past or and so forth, right? So what is it that we can do? Once we recognize that this is what's happening, now we get to choose if we want to still associate ourselves to this particular behavior, Right. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're about to go into a chatter of saying, oh, I'm not good enough. Well, let's see what does it make us feel? What does it get us to do? It gets us to break up with a person or sabotage a relationship. Let's reverse mm-hmm. that because that's not the reward we want. We don't want to feel connected to our friends or comfort of sitting in Netflix or becoming a sob story or not mm-hmm. take the risk of investing in a relationship. Those are not the outcomes that we are looking for. Let's see what is the reward of a great conversation. What's the reward of actually investing in a relationship? What's the reward of us feeling good enough, right? Yeah. Let's see those rewards, right? And then, because this is a tough behavior, not feeling good enough is it's almost as bad as this pandemic, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. with the new world, with our recognition of things that are around us all the time, we constantly feel compared to. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it is probably as bad as, as this pandemic or this epidemic that we that we are in. And, and it needs to be resolved in as um, intense a format, if I may, as we may have to deal with other stuff in our lives. So what you want to do is you want to find practices that make you feel good enough. Right. There are some which are very easy that you just simply have to practice enough off, which will make you feel better and better every day. So the first thing that we want to always remember when we don't feel good enough or when we feel like we're not good enough compared to someone and so forth is it is our emotional body responding, right? Mm-hmm. And what we need to do is we need to bring our rational mind to be able to reorganize that thought and see what is it that we are really not feeling good enough about, right? Remember in the starting when we were talking about what are some of the things that you're looking for in a partner? And then we asked the question, do you see those qualities in yourself? And you said, mm-hmm. yes. What is it that is making you not good enough then? You have the same qualities that you're looking in the partner, which means that the partner is looking for something, you have the same stuff. So you are a perfect match. You are good enough. But what happens is because we let the chatter take over, we let our emotions of feeling, oh, they have the nicer car or a better position or, you know, 
uh, they are more extroverted than I am or whatever the story is that you're telling yourself is because you're letting the chatter rule instead of letting the rational thought rule. So what if we wrote down, what did it mean to be good enough? What if we wrote down that we are good enough and that's it, right? What if this was not a decision Rola had to make, but their decision, the partner's decision, if we are good enough for something or not? And if they were in the relationship, well, it must be working out. That's a good point. Yeah. Right? So what happens is when the rational mind takes over, our emotional mind has to regulate itself. Or when mm -hmm. we regulate our emotions, our rational mind defaults to taking over. Right? So you can mm -hmm. practice ourselves to feel good enough. One of the best and the easiest way of feeling good enough is to tell yourself verbally and overtake the chatter. Right? Because chatter is nonverbal. Right? If you tell yourself verbally, look in the mirror, focus on yourself and tell yourself you're good enough. I know it sounds really silly and stupid, but it helps because our language and our acceptance of ourselves, the first time, second time, third time, it doesn't work. But when you're doing it 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, you start to elevate yourself. Mm -hmm. You start to feel good enough. Right? So that's the simplest practice that you can do. Literally look at yourself and tell yourself you're good enough. Write you're good enough. Right? And it will change your being. Secondly, is to understand that feeling confident or feeling you're good enough is actually mm -hmm. a skill. Okay. It's not a feeling. Feeling is how it shows up, but it's actually a skill. You can master any skill, right? Let's look at this like, uh, like this. If you think you're feeling confident, can you regulate it? Not really, right? You'll feel confident just because somebody said something, right? Mm -hmm. They may not even be related to you right? And you will feel like you could be on Instagram and not feel confident, right? Mm -hmm. That's not a good way to live life, right? Yeah. What if confidence was a skill that you were just building, which means that in certain situations, you're already confident because that's true, right? You're confident when you're brushing your teeth, right? You're confident. You're not thinking about, oh, I don't have confidence enough to brush my teeth. You're confident. You're very specific things in areas of life that you're very, very confident in. And the other areas of life where you feel like, oh, I'm not confident, right? Mm -hmm. But like you build skill of brushing your teeth, can you build a skill of coaching someone really well? Can you build a skill of being more confident in a, in a dinner setting? Can you build a skill of being confident in, in your relationship? You could, right? Yeah. If you could build confidence in other areas of your life, could you not build confidence in some other areas of your life? Yeah. Right? So mm -hmm. what if relationship was a skill or confidence in a relationship was a skill. I've never thought of it that way. But if you use confidence as a skill or develop confidence as a skill, could you develop it more and more every single day? Because it's yeah. a skill. Mm -hmm. Right? So we are reframing confidence so mm -hmm. you don't feel confident or not feel confident. You are confident or you're not confident based on the skill level that you're at. And skill level is always upgrading. Hmm. Yeah. Do you see how that reframe can change the way you approach how you are in a relationship? Yeah. Do you think relationship or how to be in a relationship, how to be attractive, how to attract somebody can also be a skill that one can learn? Yeah, I think so, actually. Yeah. It's true. People don't mm -hmm. see it that way because nobody studies relationship to the degree that one must if they really want to have a relationship in their life. But if you really study attraction you will see it's a skill. And all of us have it. We are very attractive people. Mm -hmm. Each one of us, physical beauty 
is the smallest element of attraction. It may seem the most important thing, but when it comes to real life, it is actually other beauties that shine way too much than mm -hmm. the physical beauty of someone. Also because physical beauty is something that deteriorates with time. Yeah. So if you have a partner that is only attracted to somebody's physical beauty, well, then you will constantly be visiting plastic surgeons. Or, Man or woman doesn't matter, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's not a good way to live in a relationship. I mean, is that all we have to offer to each other? No, and I think that would be a horrible relationship, actually. Exactly. Who wants to be in a relationship where all that matters is how you look? Yeah. There's so much more. It's There's not so even much more, more to being human. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So what if attraction was more than how you looked? It was more about who you are. Yeah. Now, can we learn how to be more of us? I think so. It's funny because when I am and I don't care, they like me so much. <laughs> and so that is fun. why the initial time of your relationships are great. And when you start worrying about they must like me, yeah, you don't stay the same person that you are because now you're relying on an expectation on that relationship. And you start being someone that hopefully is attractive to the person, but the person is on the seventh date with you because they are attracted to the true version of you. Yeah. And well, isn't the secret that we only want the person that is truly attractive to the truest version of us because that's how we're going to be on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. We can't put on the facade every day, every hour. So why not simply choose to say, I'm only going to want to be even attractive to a person that is accepting me exactly as who I am right now. And that's what I want in the end. I don't want someone to like me for the way that I look or what I have to offer. It's about being me. What would it take for you to suspend all expectations of yourself and of other people in a relationship? Stop worrying so much. Stop caring what they think and just enjoy the process. How will you remind yourself of this? Because you're telling me intellectually correct answer. But I want to see that being in your being. How is it that Rola will remember that the only relationship she truly wants is the honest relationship with Rola? I think just after a date, even if I'm not sure if I like someone or if I am really into someone, just remembering like, this is an experience. It doesn't have to be forever. It's just something for me to experience and enjoy and see if it can lead to something else um, or something more without worrying about was I did, was I everything they wanted? What like did everything go well? Did they feel the same chemistry as me or whatever it may be? Like I just have to let go of what they think and let go of my age and the idea around the fact that I should have been married already or I should have had children already or whatever it may be. And just let it happen, I guess. There is one thing that I want you to do as the next step, okay? It's an exercise called Fear Setting. It's by Tim Ferriss. There's a whole TED Talk around it in case you want to explore the exercise further than what we'll talk about today. Okay. One of the things that leads us to feel scared about life is because we never really sit down with our fear and say, what is it really? What am I really scared of? What is this that's creating all this fear in my mind? And what is it that would happen if, let's say, these fears come true? What would happen, right? Because we never sit with it. We sit with the fear constantly. Yeah. 
you alluded to some of these fears. My age, will I have kids, this, that. All of these are fears translating or coming out in different words and different statements that become your story, right? Mm -hmm. Which creates a version of you to the outside world that's not truly you because that's the scared version of you. That's the fearful version of you. What we're going to do is we're going to take a piece of paper and -hmm. we're going to actually write down our fears and we're going to write down what really happens if this fear really comes true, right? And be real about it honest about it, honest to yourself to say, what if I didn't have kids? What's the worst case scenario that can happen, right? What you will find is a lot of these fears that may seem really scary Mm -hmm. are not that scary. They're really not. What if you didn't have kids? It's the big deal. You don't get to not live your full life. You don't get to play. You get to do all of the things that you want to do, except not have kids. Big deal. A lot of people don't have kids. What's the big deal? What is the world-ending situation that will happen? Will you not get to live? That's not true. You still get to live, right? But making those fears real, you, and you can have kids in many different ways. You could help people, and that could be humanity, could be your children. You could adopt kids, and you could have kids that way, right? So what you're doing is what you're really setting up yourself for is to say, what's my worst fear? Let me write it down and get real with it, like really real with it, and see what is my worst-case scenario? in this situation? And is that really so bad? And can I do something about it to rephrase this fear? What is it that I can do to mitigate this fear in my life, right? Is there alternative paths, right? The reason why we want to do this is you will find that most of your fears are, yes, maybe fears, and they are real, of course, but they're also things that you can do something about. You can change your reality. You can change your expectation. You can change who you are and how you are to to fit a narrative that makes sense to you, right? So what I want you to do is to do that exercise. Again, like I said, you could Google the TED Talk. It's by Tim Ferriss. I think if you Google fear setting, it probably will come up. So so just do that. So you can actually do the exercise with, with with, I think, as fully explained by him. But in summary, this is the exercise. And why I want you to do it is because I want you to suspend your fears. Okay. Because your fear will always get in the way of love. Yeah. Because fear doesn't work well with love. And I think that really has been the reason why I haven't been able to find that person because I have fear that I'm going to be alone. And that scares the hell out of me because I've never been alone. I've either had family or something, someone around me. I have lots of friends and I think I do that on purpose to feel like I have people around me and that I'll never be alone. But like... I still have this fear of it. So do the exercise and see what can we do so you're not alone. Because there are many things you could do if you really sit down with it. There's a version of you that will mm-hmm. find the answer to that. I mean, there are different people. I don't want to suggest what I would do, but there would be a version of you that you will go, okay, let's say I didn't find the right partner. Instead of being in a miserable relationship, I chose to be by myself, right? Yeah. Because that probably is a better outcome of the whole thing, right? Oh, yeah. What would that look like? How will I make sure that I'm not alone? There are many ways to do it. And you will find your answer that is connected and honest to you. And that will take away, hopefully, that fear. Because the version of Urola that is without that fear is very attractive. Yeah. And it will not have a problem of finding the right partner that fits exactly what you need in a relationship, the right kind of vibe that that you're looking for that fits your narrative. Mm -hmm. But for that to happen, 
role has got to be that free woman that yeah. these partners meet for the first two dates and then they don't because that's the version they want. They want it so bad and you're just taking it away from them. And I always come up with excuses on why it didn't work out to make myself feel better about it. And I'm always like, it wasn't you. Like they just weren't ready or it just, you didn't connect with each other or whatever it may be. And it's, it's a defense mechanism. I know it is. That's okay. Your mind's doing a great job in keeping you yeah. safe. It's a challenge. The question that we have to answer is, do we want to be safe or do we want to grow? And if you want to grow, we're going to learn out of that situation. And sometimes they will not be the right match and that's fine. But let's find that not from a place of fear, but from a place of growth. Okay. I loved our conversation. I enjoyed it. You are such a beautiful soul. Thank you so much for taking the time and connecting with me here and giving me the opportunity to work with you a little bit. I hope you take these practices back with you, try them on, see which works, which doesn't work for you. It's okay if some of these practices don't work for you. It's absolutely okay. Right. Our goal was today to help you a little bit further than where you have been. No, I'll definitely try these. I really appreciate your time. This was great. Very eye-opening. Thank you so much, Rola. You're amazing. <laughs> it was a delight talking to you. You're a wonderful human being. Stay connected. Bye. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. How did you enjoy the conversation? Do you have a friend that can really listen in and would find this helpful and meaningful for them? If you have a friend that will find this conversation useful, go ahead and share this episode with your friend. If you're not following us on Spotify, go ahead, hit the follow button so you can get notified every time we post a new episode. If you're not subscribed on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and subscribe so you get a notification every time we release a new episode. If you haven't yet taken the time to give us a five-star rating, I really encourage you to go ahead, give us a five-star. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Coach Ajit, and you're listening to Master Coaching with Ajit.